Did it, are we live? Hello. Thank you for joining us. Welcome to the 10th episode of, uh, uh, and right away we get a phone call, but it's not a phone call for the studio. I apologize. Welcome to the 10th episode of um, Let's Become a Beloved Society, Conversations Illuminating Your Path to Wholeness. We do these uh, episodes every Friday. And uh, we, we encourage you to join in by calling the studio phone, which is 907-351-3003. And we are in the United States, so you start that with a one. And uh, I'm here with my co-host, Mary Ardania. And um, we're happy to, to uh, have you join us today. Uh, I don't see anybody in the audience yet that's participating by comment, but if you are there, you can put a comment in. You can ask your questions there. You can also email your questions to questions at walkingthroughyourwalls.com. That's the name of my book, by the way, in case you wonder what that email address is all about. Uh, we thought we'd start out the conversation today with... Um, We've had a lot of uh, more comments, or I have anyway, had a lot of comments about, uh, and I'm just realizing that one of the studio lights is not where it should be, which is about what we're going to talk about. <laughs> um, but you look good, though, Linda. You know, okay. you're, you're well lit, so Thank it's okay. You. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> um, what we were going to talk about to start with was how difficult life seems to be. And uh, we've had a number of, of uh, comments come in. I think both of us are experiencing that in our own lives. And we're aware of it happening in many other people's lives. And a lot of the comments are that, you know, the it's, it's, it's a lofty idea to be, try to become a beloved society, but right now I can barely cope. That's about... Uh, uh, what a lot of the feedback has been. Uh, and, and we want to give voice to that and recognize that uh, there is more so than ever a difficulty in being able to cope. And it's hard, man. It, it is. It's really life has become a very difficult thing to navigate, not just on a day-to-day -day basis, but sometimes in a moment-to-moment -moment basis. Um, and then when you add certain energies that are on the planet, uh, specific to adding to the chaos, like a Mercury retrograde, which interferes with communication and technology and all things flowing smoothly, right? <laughs> it really interferes with that. Um, it just makes things in a, a, a compounded difficult way. And uh, I wanted to share, I have actually what I think is a really funny story to illustrate what these kinds of difficulties uh, can do and how they can manifest. Um, as m many of you know, I have a, a lodging business that I operate. And uh, a few nights ago, uh, I got a call that uh, someone who was very sensitive to odors wanted to exchange uh, the pillows on the bed. She felt like she could smell something that 
um, she didn't want to have to deal with. So um, I came over and I got the pillows ready and I went to what I believed was the room that had called. And what I do on my phone is uh, every day when we have new people checking in, I have all the rooms are listed like their contacts. And then I put the guests' names and their phone numbers in. So when the phone rings, it tells me what room they're in and their names. Well, I could have sworn the phone had, called, had come in from this downstairs room called the Wood Nest. And I had had an exchange earlier with these people that they were going to be late, uh, later than they had anticipated, and uh, uh, just, you know, letting me know so I wouldn't worry. So I, I go to the room that I believe called, and I knocked on the door. And right when I knocked on the door, just like a moment later, I got a text message from the room that I'm standing in front of saying, on our way. Now, this is a two-roomed uh, unit, so I I just looked at that, and I thought, well, and they have a child, so maybe they're in the other room with the child, and then maybe they're putting him to bed, and they'll be right here. And so I'm standing there and standing there and standing there and standing there, and I, I, I knock again, and uh, nobody comes, and, uh, and then I send them a text message, um, that, you know, I would appreciate it. It's been a long day because it is like nine o'clock at night. And, um, and they text back and they said, um, so sorry, we'll probably be there in an hour. And I realized that these are clearly not the people that wanted the pillows. And, <laughs> but the timing of that text, when it came in to say, be right there, with coinciding with my knock on the door, those are the kinds of things that Mercury retrograde will do to us. And um, so then I had to text them back and say, oh my God, I called them. And I'm like, you're still on the road, aren't you? And they're like, yeah. And then I told them the funny story of I'm standing outside your room and I knocked and, 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 and they enjoyed the humor of it. I was in <laughs> really so embarrassed. So then I actually got a hold of the people who had called about the pillows and I got them the pillows and we did the exchange. But um, that's just one example of a, a living moment of a Mercury retrograde. Mary, do you have anything to share on that? Yeah, you had asked me earlier if I had any examples and I couldn't think of any, but like, I mean, the, tr the trolleys, the public transit, it's all over the place. I'm just like, I have to be very flexible. I missed a bus earlier this week and, you know, I just decided, okay, I'll go get dinner while I wait for the next bus. And um, the other thing is I was supposed to be going to a museum exhibit tomorrow with two people from work and I've been so looking forward to it. And I just knew, I knew it wasn't going to happen. I mean, I knew it. I knew it and I turned out to be right. I texted one of them and said, hey, you know, are we still on for Saturday? And she's like, well, I might have COVID. And the other one I already knew was feeling like she'd rather, she has to drive up to LA this weekend. And so it turned out to be not convenient, but she would have gone if we were still going. But as soon as I found out that the one is sick, I texted her and said, you know, if you want to drive up 
to do whatever you want. Leave me out of it. No, but it's just like, I was like, I hate trying to arrange plans with people. And maybe during March, Mercury retrograde is not the best time to do the, you know, the the one time I'm trying to arrange plans with more than one people. Right. Don't do it during Mercury retrograde. Right. That's all. Right. I think I'd have a so, lot of guests that would suggest that they shouldn't travel during Mercury retrograde too. I've had people yeah. who, uh, you know, they get to the airport the other day and Delta canceled 400 flights one day. Oh my God. And so instead of getting here, I don't know, it was supposed to be mid afternoon. They didn't get here until, you know, 10 hours later. Now, the one nice thing is it is Alaska, so this time of year, you're not driving in the dark no matter what time you get up or, right. or you know. So um, they did get to have a beautiful drive down, but they didn't get here until midnight. And guess what? Their luggage didn't show up until the following day at about 8 o'clock at night. Yeah. So, you know, um, it, just all kinds of and, – and I keep hearing from other guests that are coming in that have, you know – we've been delayed or we finally got here or there were some trials and tribulations. So, um, so if, if you're uh, one of those people out there experiencing the topsy turvy uh, timings, uh, travel, communication, uh, snafus, you're not alone. And uh, it's, it's a collective thing that we're all, all being uh, given the opportunity to experience together. But the thing is, because everything is sort of topsy-turvy already, it's like we're living in topsy-turvy land. And then you throw Mercury retrograde into that mix. Right. And it just becomes like even more surreal. Like I just... And everything just feels weird, you know? I don't know. I'm being vague, but it's like... No, I, I, you are being vague, but that's all right. Um, because each person's going to have a different resonance with, with, the, with the idea. Um, yeah. And, and everyone's experiencing it. It's uh, nothing really yes. as we expect. Yes, to some degree or another. And it can just help to know that it's not all you. Like I was talking to my brother and, you know, he was feeling particularly sort of physically off, like his balance and stuff like that. And a lot of people I know are just feeling vague, vague tummy issues a lot, like nothing sounds good to eat. You know, I just, you know, a lot of people are having these things and maybe realizing that it's not only you and some of it is like there, it's just things a friend said, it's like being on a boat, you know, and everything's kind of rocking and the ground just doesn't feel steady beneath my feet at all. So I'll be quiet now for a little bit and you can talk some more. <laughs> interesting you should say that. Really interesting you should say that because um, I did do a boat tour the other day and it was an all-day boat tour. And so uh, then when uh, we were sitting, then I went to a, a 
a vendor appreciation event from like seven to nine. And uh, I really, the whole time I was sitting there, I felt like the table was tipping and, and, you know, uh, because my inner ear was doing all this stuff. But the thing was, is that the people at the table were talking about how they were, you know, feeling a little wonky, even though, nothing was wonky and I'm like it's I brought it with me from the boat <laughs> um, it was it, it, and and uh, I'll acknowledge that I've definitely had a lot of experiences lately of um, tip tipping not tipping over but um, but tipping in like in an unusual uncharacteristic way Um losing my balance a little and and yeah yeah so and then i i immediately will take out my phone and look at my schumann resonance app and see what schumann is doing because oh. um if we're in the midst of a big blast i do tend to uh feel those big blasts when we see them oh. that's interesting maybe i should start doing that and see if it affects my tippiness. <laughs> right, right. So for those of you that might not be familiar with what we're talking about, um, there is a, a thing called Schumann Resonance. You can uh, Google it and read about it. It's uh, a measurement of earth frequencies, and there's several different uh, charts that you can find that will show these various frequencies that they measure. Um, you know, I look at it like uh, the so uh, the app is called Schumann Resonance, I believe. Um, but at the top, when you open the app, it says quick Schumann check. And peak amplitude right now is 67, which oh. um, seems high to me. And yeah. Let me see if let me see if I can get this on camera. Um the studio lights are going to make it a little hard to see, but you can see um, over here that white band here at the edge that happened. I don't know how to read the time on this very well, but I'm going to say that happened within the last 24 hours. And then you uh, see, here's another one. Here's a, another section here where there's a big blast. Um, and I'm going to say that happened yesterday. Uh so right now it looks a little calm, but um, I have noticed that I experience that I can feel a feel it when the that big those big white bands are going on or when there's a lot of chaos in that graph. I'm mm -hmm. definitely feeling something, and and one of the things that I feel is a ringing in my ears, a oh. really like sometimes overwhelming when we're in one of those big thick white blasts the the my head is just uh and right now it's not so bad right now I'm not i should it. really look it up because i also sometimes have like the other day probably when that white thing was i have like super loud ringing in my ears yep. for a prolonged period i should really I, I look it up and see if that's related yeah yeah because yeah. it was it was quite noticeable, right? Not the distant ringing. It was like, <laughs> right, right. And some people have ringing in their ear all the time. That tinnitus, yeah. Um, yeah. But this, but people who have tinnitus, I, I've 
met several people who have regular tinnitus that when we're in a Schumann blast, they notice even that it is exponentially it's, worse. Yeah, it's different. Louder and, and more intense. And so it can, this is one of the things, it can help us feel better about our health when we understand that we are, our bodies are being influenced by things in the uh, greater world around us. And mm-hmm. it's not all ours to solve, right? Some, right. Some, some things that are happening, we have no control over. And, and uh, we just have to allow the body to experience it and do as much as we can in the way of self-care to make sure that we're helping our body, hydrating, drinking a lot of water is always a good thing, uh, meditating or just you know, sitting quietly and peacefully is another really good thing you can do to help calm your body. Um, I think this would be a good place, Linda, to mention what we talked about a little earlier before this, okay. where we were talking about the challenges of mercury retrograde. And you said something, I don't know what you said, something like that's all we can do. And I said, my reaction was that and a stiff drink. Even right. though I don't really even drink, but that right. was my reaction. And right. I think that that is like a collective thing. You right. know, right. it's like that is the collective's response. Now we need a stiff drink. And it's, yeah, it's and also it's like the body's response, the cellular thing. So right. you talked right. about, you were going to talk right. about the okay. thing you mentioned. Yeah, thank you. Because that thank was you. not my reaction at all, but that was my what I thought. You know? Exactly, exactly. So Mary's more like an ice cream cone. <laughs> <laughs> Mary's bringing up a really good point. We, we, our bodies have what I refer to as cellular memory. And it's collective. It's not just the lifetime you're experiencing right now, but it's other lifetimes that you've experienced as well. And, and so... There is and a, the collectives, right? It's and like it's not even only our lifetime, right? I don't right, think, but right. yeah. So there's the cumulative of your own body's cellular memory of your soul's history, and then there's also the influence of the collective on each of us as well, because we're living in that energy. It's like we're each pieces of a large stew. Right. I might be the carrot. You might be the potato. Together, we're all in this pot together because we are all connected. I'm definitely the potato. (laughs) In a very weird, and I'm definitely not the carrot, really. (laughs) I'm more like the apple, probably. And there is a stew that you put apples in. So, uh, Mulligatani Sue, I I love it. Uh, Anyway, but I wanted to give folks an example of what I what we're talking about here in a very real sense. As some of you who've been listening or following know, um, the road that leads to my property south of Seward was impacted by a, a 300 foot wide and uh, no, maybe it was 300 foot wide. It was also, I forget, 300 feet tall landslide. And uh, The day that it happened, I happened to be out on a boat with a group of people. 
And and it it's a, it was a significant landslide. And I knew by looking at it from the boat as we came back into the harbor that my life, my customers' lives, my neighbors' lives were all going to be impacted for weeks uh, over this landslide. And at the time, it wasn't even clear. It, it could have been months. Uh, it just wasn't clear what was happening in terms of, of uh, any kind of resolution to what had just occurred in this large landslide. I got off that boat, and the minute I was on ground, what my body wanted to do was go to the nearest bar and get drunk. That was absolutely my body's agenda. I haven't had a drink of alcohol in, uh, I don't know, 30, 40, 40 years. Long time. Long time. Uh, and and uh, yet, every cell in my body knew that if I wanted to feel better, my body solution was to go just get tamed. Uh-huh numb the pain, right? Numb the brain. Because one of the things when you're in that unknown state of not, you have no idea what lies ahead after some tragedy or event of some kind, disaster or whatever, the body's wiring. Hi, Nanette, it's great to see you here. Um, the body's wiring is designed to take care of us. And its desire in that moment was to not feel the pain, if you will, that I was in, in my unknowing of what lied ahead. Right. Which uncertainty, you know, we all want to feel certain, even though it's like an illusion. So uncertainty is itself a type of pain, i.e. discomfort. And, you know, this also explains why addiction has, during the pandemic lockdown, you know, people just were trying to forget what was going on. And exactly. it's, a, it's a very human reaction. Time passes pretty quickly when you're passed out drunk. <laughs> I wouldn't know. I've actually don't think I've ever been drunk enough to actually pass out. Well, I, I just say that based on observe, observing my mother for years. Yeah. Oh, um, yeah. I'm you sure know, you're right. She never knew all, uh, what day know, it was. Being passed out drunk is probably a lot like the pandemic. Everything just kind of passes and you don't really know where you are or what's going on. And then right. you're like, oh, where am I? That's how life has been for the past couple of years. For me, I don't know, and I'm still going out and working, but it still feels like that. <laughs> right. 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 It's a way to stop time. Stop time. At least stop having to feel the passage of time. Right. Well, that's it. Stop feeling. Stop feeling. Right. Right. Oh. Right. So, um, <clears throat> it especially... Uh, I think is, and, and so, you know, in that moment too, uh, I, I became aware of, uh, a compassion 
for everyone who has ever fallen off the wagon or given in to uh, an, an, a previous addiction. Because the only thing that kept me from going to a bar and getting a drink, maybe not getting drunk, but going to a bar and getting even one drink, the only thing that kept me from doing that was understanding how this all works. I was able to detach myself basically and, and look at myself as the person walking down the ramp from the boat who wanted to go to the bar and acknowledge and recognize where that impulse was coming from. And, and, and so I was able to just say, oh, I understand what's happening here. My body wants it to go get a drink. I don't want to go get a drink. My soul does not want to go get a drink. My spirit does not want to go get a drink, but my body would really like it if I went and got a drink. And you can just give yourself compassion for having the experience and the desire and acknowledge it, and then you can walk away from it. You don't have to give in to it. And I and I I had great compassion for several people that I've known lately that have been clean and sober for a multitude of years and have lost it. And I, I lately, recently, uh, maybe they've gotten it back again, but you know, they, they fell off the wagon for a day or a week or a month. And I think the other thing that we should acknowledge is that there's a good likelihood that we will see this happening more and more now because we are in the very final spiral of the, the downward deconstruction in order to rebuild. And as I am very fond of saying, the dying donkey kicks the hardest and we're in that phase right now. So if you see people that you know struggle with uh, resisting their addictions or struggle in their recovery, uh, try to try to help them, you know, in 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 a way like distract them and get them to come do something that's non non drug or alcohol related or whatever it may be, right? Just even acknowledge, and if they have perhaps fallen off, um, be compassionate with them and supportive them and explain to them what happened, because. A lot of times they don't talk about this in addiction recovery. It's all about, you know, um, well, it's not about this. I'm not going to say what it's about, but um, because a lot of people don't understand these concepts. So if you can help in any way, uh, do that. And if And if nothing else, just hold them in your heart and have compassion for them. And another thing which... It's kind of obvious, but not to some people. Just remember, like if you're hosting or at a party and you ask someone if they want, if they, if people don't want to drink alcohol, don't push them. You know, you don't know what their reasons are and it's none of your business. But in our society, we do tend to voice alcohol on people and act like there's something wrong if people don't want to drink or party, quote unquote, or whatever. And, you know, just allow people to have their boundaries without pushing at them. 
especially nowadays when it might be extra hard for them to hold them, you know, just something to think about. Excellent point, Mary. Excellent. Thank you. Yes. Very true. Very true. All right. Uh, haven't had any calls on the studio phone. Remember, you can always call in with a question or to join the conversation live at 907-351-3003. You can send your questions to questions at walkingthroughyourwalls.com. Let me just pop over to email and make sure we haven't had anything come in. I do have a couple of questions uh, that came in. Uh, here's one. Uh, in episode nine, you talked about each of us starting on our own to build a beloved society. Now, I got the impression you're saying that it's not enough to be spiritual. Is that what you were saying? Um, so, uh, I, I, I think that probably is what I was saying. It, it isn't enough to just do your work, your spiritual work at home. Alone. Right. Alone. You, you have to, and, and that's what, uh, that's what many people have done over the years because uh, walking your spirituality out into the world can uh, create all kinds of problems for people. And so we've tended to uh, be more uh, reserved and quiet with our practice. And it's also, there's, there's a model of that, you know, sitting alone in the quiet, meditating quietly, like, you know, as if that's the work to quiet your mind when you're sitting alone in your room, you know? Right. True. Exactly. True. And so uh, what, what we're saying here is that uh, in order to become a beloved society, we have to walk that out into the world and we have to carry it with us in, in every interaction, in every uh, person that we meet it's yep. up to us to create the beloved society. No one yes. else is going to do this for us. Neil Donald Walsh uh, talks about how God at one point said to him that your life is not about you. Your life is about who you touch and how you touch them. And, and God didn't mean in a physical sense, although it would include a physical sense, what, what God meant was we touch people, sometimes hundreds of people a day, depending on where we live and what we do. Uh -huh. How do you pass through those people and pass by them? Do you ignore them? Do you smile at them? Do you compliment them? Do you thank them? Do you yell at them? Do you kick them? Do you shove them? There are all kinds of myriad of ways, right, that we can interact with people in our daily lives, on the phone and in person. Do you think mean thoughts? 
that's an interaction too, you know, and I'm saying this to myself because I ride the trolley and my pet peeve is the people who play their music really loud on the trolley. And I sit there thinking, what makes them think everyone wants to hear their music? They probably just don't think about other people at all. Grr, rawr, grr. You know, and this morning was an example of, I don't even know what I was thinking about. And then I was just like, you know, I, oh, I remember now. Some guy's trying to get off the trolley using the ramp with his walker. This other guy decides he needs to get on through that door. Basically shoves aside the little old man with his walker. And I'm like, you know, what a dipshit. That's what I thought. What a dipshit. And I was really like, and then I thought, okay, okay. I'm supposed to love the dipshit. You know, I can love him and still think that his behavior was messed up. And I do, but you know, he was clearly very drunk or high and, you know, possibly homeless and probably in a lot of pain and, you know, addictions don't happen because you're happy. So anyhow, you know, yes, it's our job to create the beloved society as we go about our day. And this is one of my things, you know, it's like, well, I wear my happy clothes. There's hearts again, hearts. Mm -hmm. I have hearts on my legs too. Can I get it up there high enough? Yeah, good Leg. job. <laughs> Leg, hearts. Yep. Yeah, see? Beautiful. Anyhow, um, but also it's not just that. It's like, you know, I walk by the security guard across the street in the morning. We all always wave and say hi. I don't really engage in conversation much, but I at least smile and say hi. And, right. you know, to other people too, to the people I pass all the time and see all the time. Right. I smile and say hi. If I see them more often, might stop and say, hey, how are you? So, you know, it's like a little community of people. So when I talk about starting in my yard, this is what I'm talking about, what you're talking about, the people I come into contact with on a daily basis. And I come into a lot of people at work. I work in a city. I take the trolley. I smile at the people usually if I don't think they're dipshits. (laughs) And the people I see all the time, you know, the drivers and the other riders, we, we say hi and you know, just trying to send the ripples, you know, I want a beloved society. That means I'm supposed to treat everybody as if they are a part of my beloved society. And I am far from perfect. Hence, you know, the anecdote with which I started, (laughs) but I am doing my best every day. And as quickly as I can recall myself, I'm like, okay, you know, how can I remember that that person there is also you know, part of the divine creation and therefore just as deserving of my love as everyone. So, and, and I think the answer to that is to go back to the four agreements, because Mm -hmm. um, if you look at the guy shoving his way past the little old man, taking his walker down the ramp. And if you look at it through the lens of those four agreements uh, always do my best, be impeccable in my word, don't make assumptions and don't take things personally. Um, there's nothing to, there's no energy to give that interaction. It's not your business, right? It's something that's happening, but it's not happening to you. And unless you can in some way uh, aid the little old man, uh it really isn't even something for you to see. 
Now you've seen it because you're there, but you can't make any assumptions about any of it because you don't know. You don't know what that guy's deal is. You don't know what the little old man's deal is. You don't know what they got out of the exchange with each other. And so that's where I really, I really, um, I would, I would say like for me, I don't have that. Nobody's a dipshit. I never, uh, I never, <laughs> I, I, I never think that. Um, That's awesome. <laughs> I, I never think that. Either that or we're all dipshits, one or the other. You know. Oh, well, we are all dipshits sometimes. Yeah. Um, I co-wrote a song once that was called Everyone's an Asshole, just FYI. <laughs> so, you know, I don't, I don't Im immune myself from that. Right, right. Um, so to, back to the question, let me flip to that window so I have it in front of me. So it's not enough to be spiritual, uh, alone in your, in your room. You have to carry that spirituality out and really, and really walk it, walk it. And, and don't, you know, don't beat yourself up. When you when you discover that you've been making assumptions or or taking things personally or you know judging people, it's a long road to get to the place where those things aren't playing a role in your daily life because we're surrounded by it and it's modeled to us all the time. Well, well also life is process. Right. Life right. isn't. There isn't an end game except death. Exactly. Exactly. You know, and that isn't all... really the end game, but no, but just of this incarnation. Right. But right. yeah, but it's like it's not about getting to where we're perfect little, you know, beings. Except insofar as we are, but you know, sorry. Process. That's what I tell myself. Process, right. process, process. Right, right. It is a process. It is a process. Uh, and so be gentle with yourself. You can set out. Uh, and so this is also something that's, that's really, uh, I think, worth covering. You can set out from your day. Leave the house and you're a great mood. Um, and who is the guy that, that originally did this uh, talk? Dane here. D-A-I-N-H-E-E-R, I believe is his name. He's a part of the uh, Integral Society. Uh, and so anyway, he gives this example of how we're all energetic beings, right? And you can leave your house. You're in a great mood. You're feeling loving. You get in your car. If you're somewhere, uh, the example he used was in the L.A. area. You get on the freeway and you're driving along and somebody cuts you off and you're okay with that because you're in your Zen and, but it's a half an hour drive to where you're going. And by the time you get to where you're going, you are enraged. And his question was, what happened to you? And his answer, and, and I believe he's right, is that when you're in a densely populated area, you are subject to the energy around you. And 
if you're on the freeway in a congested event where uh, people are blowing their horns and, and trying to jockeying to get where they're going and you're bumper to bumper, you're sitting again in this stew of humanity and humanity's energy. And it's very difficult to remain balanced and in your energy when all of this stuff is swirling around you. And it's very easy to pick it up and start carrying it with you. And I can give you a personal example of how this might work in your life. I was coming home from Anchorage. Uh, it was October, so the roads were very, very uh, sparsely inhabited. And I was south of the uh, little town of Girdwood. So I was in a spot where there was really very few people. There was no towns around. And there was nobody ahead of me and nobody behind me for as far as I could see. And I'm driving along and all of a sudden, it, like almost instantly, there's a car right behind me. And like comes right up on my tail, my bumper. And I don't think he had his high beams on, but it was still dusk. So he, his lights were on. And you're supposed to drive on that highway with your lights on anyway, regardless. But he just stayed and there were there. He could have passed, but he didn't pass. We were in a passing lane that went for quite a while and he didn't pass. He just stayed on my bumper. And so I did what I would normally do in that situation. And I just sort of, you know, slowed down a little and drifted off onto the shoulder so he could go past me. And I, I did that. Normally I would just pick right back up again and get behind him, but something almost, I want to say snapped in me. And so instead of pulling back out, I pulled over and I stopped and he went past me and I was overcome with the impulse to pull back out, speed up, put my brights on, and ride on his tail. Now, that is totally uncharacteristic behavior for me. That is not anything that I think, I, I don't think I've ever done that. I, I, I don't even think it had ever occurred to me to do that before that moment. And so then I just sat there for a few minutes to experience what was happening and to realize that what had happened was that person was obviously in some kind of a rush and perhaps rage. And when they passed me, their energy field washed over me and gave me the, that impulse to pull out behind them and chase them and make their life difficult. Um, And so I just sat there for a few minutes and, and uh, uh, it, that feeling subsided and I was able to feel myself again. And then that's when I pulled out and continued on my way. But I think it's a real example of how we are energetic beings and we are all connected. And I know the Heart Math Institute has said that um, they, I believe they say that they can measure someone's energy 18 miles away, that your heart energy can extend uh, as far as 18 miles from your body. 
And so if you live in an apartment building, if you live in a densely populated area, I think these are all things that are influencing you. And if you're not aware of them, they can be running your life, right? Your ego and your body can be sort of running your life in a way that you're, you're really not wanting and aren't intending. And they're doing it. They, they believe through their wiring that it's for your purpose to keep you healthy and safe and all of that. But um, a lot of times it's actually disruptive choices that they make. I'm thinking about that because I don't usually worry that much about shielding my energy and that sort of thing because I sort of want to be in the world and energetically participating. I don't know if that makes sense. Right. But I'm thinking maybe on the on the trolley I ought to think a little bit more about it just because there's so many people and there often is a lot of disruptive energy in there. And maybe that's what part of why I get so cranky on there sometimes. So, so I, I wouldn't put it as shielding. <clears throat> no, that, that's uh, that that separation technology. Yeah, but <clears throat> it's more of a uh, boosting the energy that you want to be radiating. Yeah, right? exactly. Coming into love or above, basically. And so that's why that little uh, device, I don't have mine with me today, my little love tuner uh, that you can blow and it blows at a frequency of 528 is a great little thing to have because if you wear it, you've always got it with you and uh, you can even quietly just whoo and, uh, you know, blow it quietly and just bring yourself into the frequency. Uh, okay. It's a great reminder. Thank you. You know? Yeah, I appreciate that perspective. Uh, let's see. We've got about 15 minutes left. Let me go look at uh, the other questions that we've had. Oh, While you're doing that, let me just add. So the idea is that I'm, for people to clarify, that right. I'm radiating at a higher like energy so that the stuff doesn't get into and on me. It's almost like you know, my force is stronger outward. So the inward stuff can't, you know, that's all just to kind of give a visual. Right. And also when you're radiating that you're, it, it's waving and washing over those around you, depending yeah. on how, you know, broad your uh, auric field might be. Yeah. As you're walking past people, they're, they're feeling it. Just like the guy that drove past me and I could feel his anger and his anguish and whatever all of that was. If someone goes past you that's exuding love, we can usually feel that too. Whether we recognize that we're feeling it or not. But you can, uh, a lot of times, you can uh, walk into a room and feel an energy. And that, that energy comes from the things in the room, but also the energy that's been left behind by the people that use that room. 
or you can walk into a room and you can feel the energy of the people in the room and 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 you might feel really uncomfortable that happens to me a lot um there there are a lot of times where i go into an event or a gathering and i can't stay i'll stay for a few minutes and then i'll 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 have to excuse myself and leave All right, so let's see. Let me go back. Well, the other thing that uh, I wanted to touch on is the idea, uh, I, I've been saying this for years, that hurt people hurt people. And the idea behind that statement is that when you are in some kind of pain or when somebody else is in some kind of pain, whether it's physical or emotional, the response is to lash out often. That's the response is to lash out so that. Well, that's the reaction. Right. And right. then response is if you have a chance to think about it, then maybe you don't do that. Just right. to be picky about words, but right, it right, helps right. with conceptualizing. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, you're right. That's a good catch, Mary. Thank you. Your reaction is often to hurt another person. And I can give you an example of this uh, that I've had. Uh, the uh, Where I live, uh, there's a, a road maintenance uh, office that you can call. And uh, and the roads, uh, you know, in Alaska, we're, we're, I don't know, we're still, I think, 20 to 30 years behind uh, on a lot of things. Uh, when it comes to uh, government and uh, organizational things and planning and zoning, all kinds of things like that, um, we're, we're a bit behind still. It is still the last frontier. So um, the road owners and who owns them and who maintains them is, is often uh, in our little area a little confusing. So I called the road maintenance because we were having some kind of problem and I get somebody who's new and uh, she doesn't know how to read the maps. And so I end up being on the phone with her for, I don't know, uh, 15 minutes maybe while she's, and I'm telling her what the maps say, but she won't, she doesn't believe me. And uh, she's telling me it's, something completely different and after being on the phone for about five or ten minutes i i mean this is just it's just it's an agonizing conversation because she's got it wrong i'm trying to explain to her how she can figure out what i'm saying is correct and what she can look at but she she won't do it and i find that i get to a point where i really just wanted to take the phone and bash it on the counter. I was so frustrated. And that's an example of that reaction of I'm in, a, in, I'm in some kind of discomfort here. I'm in some kind of pain and I want to make you uncomfortable too. And I realized that what I wanted to do, my, my impulse my reaction 
beyond wanting to bash the phone on the thing, was to rip her head off verbally on the phone. Now, <clears throat> again, I'm sort of like the, the, I'm out here watching myself have this experience, and I didn't succumb to that. But what happens in most people's uh, day is that they're not aware of how this mechanism is working. They're not aware that their spirit and their soul are not their body and that their body has ideas about things to do and ways to solve things that are not necessarily in alignment <clears throat> with what you would consciously choose. And so we give in and we get nasty with people and you see it all the time. You see it in the grocery store. You see it in, in driving. You see pe people yelling, honking, being mean to each other, snapping at each other. All of that is really a, a reaction of to some kind of stress or discomfort that the, that they're having. And so, one way that we become a beloved society is really to to learn how this body's working, what these interactions are and how they, they manifest and take control. Come into ourselves and take control so that we are choosing how we go through our days instead of being the tail wagged by the dog. And learning what our triggers are and taking ownership of our triggers, you know, it's like, I always say, you know, if you, if we're talking and you trigger me, that's my problem because you didn't install the button. You just pushed it unless you're my mother, then you might've installed it. But so, you know, I look at that and go, okay, it's my work to figure out what's going on here. And if I can't, and it's likely that you might hit that button again by accident. I might have a conversation with you about it. But basically, you know, that's how I feel about that is, you know, if I'm a walking time bomb, I'm the time bomb. Right. And it's my job to disarm myself so I don't get detonated. <laughs> right, right, right. And most of the time I've been able to do that. But Linda knows, and I might have did I mention it last week? I had a little, you know, I had a little blow up recently and I haven't yeah. had one in so long. It was a little startling. Um, right. You know, and that's my responsibility. And I think I handled it accountably and didn't destroy any relationships. And that's why I, you know, try to handle it myself because I don't want to be setting off time bombs and destroying relationships. Right. That's not, that's not what I'm here for. Right, right. Well, I think that there's a tendency among a lot of people to uh, go through the world with their finger pointed this way, right? Yeah. It's not right. Yeah. You're not right. You made me do this, right? <clears throat> that right there, you made me, is not a possibility. It's it, it people believe that it's how things work, but it really it, it's not how it works at all. Nobody makes you do anything. That's another one of those things that God told Neil Donald Walsh, that nobody ever does anything uh, that they don't want to. And um, it's always interesting to be in his classes when he gets to that uh, 
to that teaching because people will try to argue with him about it. And uh, when you truly understand the teaching, you realize that it's absolutely true. I mean, you have to realize that it might not be a thing that you consciously want, but on some level there is a, you know, like your body is like the drink. You don't, you know, the body wants the drink or whatever. I mean, on some level there is something right. Right. that is a payoff. You, right. you know, that makes you participate. I don't know if that's a good way to put it, but you know, you might not consciously want it. And I think that's important to say, like people will say, well, I don't want that, but you know. If you did it, you did it. And at some level you wanted it. We're talking about mm -hmm. in, in looking at it from the, it's already happened. Right. You look like you're thinking, I don't want to interrupt you. No, it's all right. You can say more things. I don't have anything further to say about this right now. I feel like there might be something further to say, but I don't have anything. So. All right. Good for now. Okay. I feel like there's still things that people could quibble with about it. Cause like you said, when you get to that, people always have a lot to say, but Hey, if you're out there listening to this and you want to quibble about it, Hey, we're here for that. That's right. Call and leave us I'm your question us. or email yeah. us and yeah. let's talk about it. You right. Know? Right. That is what we're here for. It's totally what we're here for. Use us, put us to work. <laughs> Yes. Yes. Um, so uh, let's just do a review. Uh, we do these uh, broadcasts on Fridays at uh, 10 a.m. Hawaiian time, 11 a.m. Alaska, noon Pacific, 1 p.m. Mountain, 2 p.m. Central, 3 p.m. Eastern, 8 p.m. if you're in London or GMT, and 7 a.m. for Australia AEDT. Hey, Linda, I should have told you this when we're not in the broadcast, but you should figure out like when you say Australia time, we're in Australia, because I looked at one of those things once that said Australia time. So I called my then boss, the president of the National Audubon Society at what I thought was, you know, 7 a.m. Australia time. And it turned out to be like 4 a.m. or something because they're like us. They're a big country with several time zones. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. He was awake, fortunately. But if you've ever called your boss, you know, in the middle of the night, essentially, it's, yeah. Anyway, that's all. <laughs> I think about that every time you say it. Well, it, in the text <laughs> of the, of the uh, podcast, it should say AEDT. So I'll make hmm. a point of saying AEDT. Okay, that's probably Eastern, Alaska Eastern. Uh, I'm guessing, but what Australian, do I know? Australian, Australian. That's what I meant, Australia. Um, you can Australians also, probably know, but yeah, say e A-E-D-T and then they'll know for sure. Okay. Um, you can also find us on YouTube and Facebook. Uh, and in the text, you'll see YouTube. My uh, YouTube address is Linda Lamp Illuminating Wholeness. And Facebook, it's Linda Lamp Author. <laughs> Did you see what Nanette said? We could also be a comedy routine. <laughs> uh, well, I, I, you know, I, I would... Uh, uh, I like that. I, I've, I've uh, 
done a stand-up comedy routine. <laughs> I, I, uh, I think I've been a comedian in some other life, maybe. I don't know. But yeah. I do aspire to stand-up comedy, so <laughs> in our future. Maybe. Yeah, maybe. We could go on a cruise. <laughs> that would be cute, yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, all right, folks. Well, we're just at the end, I think, and we'll, we'll uh, look for you again next week. Thank you for joining us. Namaste.